Hello. Do you have time to hear about our Lord and Savior, the Emperor of Mankind, on this episode of Zero to 40K? podcast where I drag my friends kicking and screaming into the world of Warhammer. With me as always, my co-hosts, Eric, hello. Hey, what it is. What it is. <laughs> we have a new book. New book who dis. New book, new author whose name I don't know. Ben Counter. I have I have some things to say about Ben. But it sounds like a Star Wars character, legitimately. Actually, sorry, I'll stop. You're not allowed to talk until I introduce you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just was going to say, it sounds like a like a name that Jan Brady would come up with for her fake oh. boyfriend. Like uh. She's looking around being like, Ben. I think uh, I'm just thinking of ben, ben Kenobi. Like, I could um. see there's a Ben Counter that lives. <laughs> I just thought he should have been in, like, an accountant or whatever. And he would have yeah. been, like, Bean Counter. Oh, counter. I don't know. Anyway, good. But he went into Warhammer instead. Um Anyway, good. That's, what that, you get that's to talk how about. I am. <laughs> right? That's how you are. That just sums Didn't up counter. Eric today. Sarah, hello. Hello. Are you excited about this new book? I, I am. I I am ready to hear about my Lord and Savior, the Emperor. Good. We're going to, a lot of yeah, it. really diving in. There's a lot in. of that. There's some proselytizing. I mean. <laughs> and my third. New post. listeners going, who is this other person? <laughs> how is this happening? No I'm one's confused. even said anything. Shannon. Hi. hi You're hi. so excited to talk. No, I just like. You know, yeah, if I if there was actually magic involved, I do want to hear about this Lord and right. Savior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As soon as you literally banish a demon back to hell, <laughs> you're, pre- you're doing pretty good. I want to hear in dra- yeah. I, I will, I'm in. I yeah. want your pamphlet. I would like you to come in and tell me all about it. If Jesus like, gave me magic, I right. would be much yeah. more inclined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. Let's let's do this. Um, so, yes, we're going to get into the first three chapters of Galaxy in Flames by Ben Counter. So we're in a whole new book. The last one of sort of this opening trilogy detailing the fall of Horus Lupercal and the beginning of the Horus Heresy. Um, or the rise of Horus? Oh, well, yes. Depending on what side, depending on what army you play in Warhammer 40,000. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Ben because there's some some context here. So Ben, another bald boy because Black Library apparently only loves bald boys. Um, he wrote only two Horus Heresy novels out of the 60 whatever nonsense Horus Heresy oh, novels. Really? He only wrote two. He wrote oh. this one and he wrote one called Battle for the Abyss, um, which is wildly regarded as the worst <laughs> Horus Heresy novel. Oh, well, I'm surprised to hear that because I'm I'm thinking his writing is fine. And yeah, and I do want to talk. I'm going to I have some apologizing for Ben. I think it's he gets an unfair rap. OK. Um, Battle for the Abyss. I've been enjoying this book so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the eighth book in the series and it fits into the unfortunate like all the books so far that you've read and the next several are like very momentous. Like there these big events are happening with these characters that you know about from Warhammer. And so everyone's been very excited about them. And like, oh, we get to hear about this Primarch and that Primarch and this Legion, and all these things that we've known. And Battle for the Abyss is the first of, I will point out, many Horus Heresy novels where what happens doesn't really matter. And nothing like it doesn't really. But he and not because it's his. Pick yeah, it's not his fault. Writing yeah. About. I'm sure they give him the big broad strokes yeah. of the story to write and say do this and it's it's sort of a neat story of like a kind of a team group of space marines solving a problem but it like doesn't really tie into anything else so i think people give it too much shit now it's not by any stretch my favorite horror heresy novel or even close but. what is your favorite horror heresy novel oh that's hard um i don't know there's a bunch of real good ones um probably one of the latest siege of terra books 
one of the last few. Okay. They're all real Can't good. Can't wait to siege Terra. Yeah, siege yeah. Terra. That's that's the last eight. Or, I oh, wonder which Terra nine. they're sieging. <laughs> yeah, this could be. It actually all comes back. <laughs> this is a long con. You thought they were going to ditch that old Terra. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it feels kind happens. of like a the fact that we opened up on that fake Earth, that fake Terra. I just want to say felt very backronymy. Like maybe there had been references to things that happened on Terra yeah. and they had to say, oh, yeah, we're not actually going to do that on real Terra. So let's make this other yeah. fake Terra. Yeah. That happens way too early in the story to do <laughs> real Terra. But anyway, I like Ben. Um, he also has a podcast that's kind of like spooky. Oh, it's out of place. He does. It's like a guy investigating artifacts from alternate timelines that are like sort of hoary. It's got kind of like an SCP. Magnus that legitimately archive. sounds interesting. Yeah. Really cool. it, it's, yeah. a, it's apparently well received. He also paints a lot of miniatures and he's real good at painting miniatures. Oh. Hasn't written really anything for Black Library in like 10 years. No. Oh. So, but um, seems real nice. So I, I yeah, you know, checked out his Instagram and his Twitter and he's like, oh, you seem nice. So, hey, Ben. If you're listening, you seem like a cool guy. I'm sorry people give you so much shit about Battle for the Abyss. I think that's unfair. I hope nothing um, overly problematic happens in this book so I can yeah, continue yeah. to like him. Yeah, so I'm going to like, was, yeah. I'm gonna get to chapter 12 and be like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, I think we're good. Actually, I have. Well, we'll get to that when okay. we get to that. All right. That's all I have to say about Ben. Okay. But, I don't want to derail you. I have too late. a quick note about. I derail. I'm not on rails yet. <laughs> that's true. But before you get on rails, I have a quick note about the little opening opening thing before it even starts the chapter oh, the so like, oh. Poem. yeah oh no i just I wanted... didn't i didn't see that because uh, i i didn't i listened to the audiobook and i don't know if this is oh you don't see. get the little pre i think it is i just let me see if they do I one of these it. on like every warhammer novel oh i didn't read this oh no i just wanted to point out that in it horace is called a diplomat supreme yeah and I'm really wondering at what point that happened, no, because it, it all means... of his diplomacy has been atrocious so far, even before he got corrupted by the abyss no, or whatever. The diplomat supreme means he has sour cream on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might be the dumbest joke we have ever done on this podcast. I'm going to ask oh, Taco right. Bell. <laughs> Hashtag Taco Bell. Oh, that was good. That was a thing right there that you did to us. That's one of my favorite things you've ever said. That was great. So we're done with the podcast, right? (laughs) Shut it down. No more to say on this subject. You really got me. All right. Let's talk about chapter one. Horace gets expositiony. Mercity gets horny. Loken gets sad. So, um... Yeah, chapter one. We're right back to uh, th- they do the cute. I was there the day that Horus turned his face from the Emperor because we always got to start mm-hmm. these off yes. with someone was there when Horus did something, something, something. Um, so Ben, Ben knows what's up. I think there's a theme of all of these Black Library authors. I feel Ben most studiously has read other Black Library authors. Uh, <laughs> there's a bunch of bits that I feel he does a good job of like either winking to us. It's like, I've read this. I know what's going on and like sort of tying in other people's what they're trying to do. Yeah, that would be probably what you would be like if you were writing a Black Library novel. I would probably be an insufferable Black Library author. <laughs> so Lots of inside joke winking. Constant winking. winking. Yeah. It would be, I mean, mm-hmm. Games Workshop, if you need a Black Library author, reach out. <laughs> I won't be insufferable. I probably will be. But it'll be great. They'll he be had his fingers crossed. Tens, just so you know. tens of people will read these books and love them. So it'll be great. Um, 
but yeah, so we, we lead right in that learning that Titus Cassar of the, of course, everybody on this podcast's favorite Titan. Yes. But the Dies Irae, and he is speaking to a congregation about the Lactitio Divinitatis. I got to do the dance <laughs> as part of this is key. Um, and that Cinderman is sort of just like eyeball rolling depressed at how bad he is at talking to people. But he's got faith and that's what matters. Um, and it's weird because he's again, I think we're we're going to talk about Cinderman's issues while he grapples with his faith that he's like, if only I had that faith that this guy has. And it's like you saw Keeler banish a demon. <laughs> With your very eyes. And he's like, I just don't know. I just don't know what I saw. Don't know what to believe. Right. What could it be? Um, but he's going. Uh, so Titus is, is preaching, you know, really this, the cult of the, the emperor has started to spread throughout the uh, expedition fleets. OK, so Cinderman says somewhere along the way, things got, had gone wrong. Cinderman wasn't sure when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's probably when he. It's on Davin when he fought yeah. a monster and came out. <laughs> uh-huh. The jubile thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's weird that he seems a little unsure of when that happened. Like, when, to be fair, he doesn't have... You don't know like what happened on the planet right before we came into the books. Like Maybe something really awful happened and there. He was already questioning and that but, just tipped it up. Well, I know like it's funny because Kassar, um, Ka- Kassar, yeah. whatever his name, um, he says something specifically like... Uh, People ask if the emperor truly is a god, then what does he do with his divine power? We do not see his hand reaching down from the sky, and precious few of us are blessed with visions granted by him. And it's right after that that Cinderman is saying, like, well, I just don't know what to believe. <laughs> and it's like, you literally have, like you said, you're, you're you the literally guy. have seen uh-huh. his yes. hand reaching <laughs> out. <laughs> yes, this is what I, I think we were talking about this probably before we started recording, but I just don't understand how he sees so much proof of everything and is still like, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I mean, I guess that's his shtick. He's supposed to supposed to question. I don't know. But I also like that he talks about uh, Keeler and we get the first Ben Counter talking about Keeler and uh, doesn't say anything gross about her. Yeah. So that was nice. She's feisty and supremely self-confident. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh. Oh, Wait, nothing, what? Nothing, about her, <laughs> nothing about her outfit, nothing about whether her clothes her curves are or her... <laughs> just right on. OK, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how to handle that. But here we are. Good job, Ben. Yeah. So point for Ben until we get to get in chapter 12 where he says something. <laughs> um, but anyway, he gets to uh, read about or listen to this preaching. He thinks about his faith. He he reminisces a little bit about poor carcassy. Um, and again, like. Poetry that had, if Mercedes Oliton's suspicions were correct, caused his murder. And it's like, we know. You know. Everyone knows. <laughs> I, feel, I don't think it was actually all that subtle how this was done. But uh, there's a lot in this book where you have characters being like, we don't know what happened. And it's like, you do, though. You do. You for sure do. You do know what happened. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get into Loken yet, so I'll put a well, word in that. But we're, talk about a Loken dumb-dumb. never knows what's going on. <laughs> awesome. And then sort of dramatically at the end of this, we're about to get to Loken. But at the end of this, we get to like space marines start kicking down doors and gunning down people. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is they do not think this is OK what you're doing. Like it goes from like, oh, they're just meeting like they've been meeting this whole time. And then it's like, oh, they're being like ruthlessly purged 
by <laughs> Horus and the Space Marines. Excuse me, like, they're being illuminated. Right. <laughs> they're being illuminated right in the face. <laughs> so A shot, like a gun blast would illuminate right. you. Yeah, that muzzle flare yeah. is very illuminating. Um, but yeah, so like I'll, I'll right at the very, like we're not even through the first chapter and the stakes get raised dramatically for what's going on um, as they all have to like scatter and race into the bowels of the ship to hide from the Space Marines that are trying to murder all of them. So... It's like, oh, so going to church is a whole thing in this. But um, then we get to Horace in his new his new digs, his new digs. I don't think we entirely talk about his new outfit yet, but there is a whole glow up <laughs> that is done by Horace um, that we discuss over the next uh, I think next couple chapters and chapter sections. I have a question about this section where he's with Ing Mason. Yeah, that's where we Ing are. Right? Yes. Did I know? In that Ing Mei Sing was blind, like that she had no. Have they ever mentioned that before? I wondered that too. Because am I just not remembering anything about the last two books? Because they kept they mentioned her blind a couple of times. I was like, when did that happen? Yeah, you know, when not allowing actively not allowing Walter to answer our question for us, because um, <laughs> I assume he knows the answer. I do, but uh, I feel like. She was introduced so briefly, so long ago, with so little context that I was telling myself that they may have said blind, and I'd be like, great, a character I've never met before and won't hear about again for a book is blind? Like, that's just not going to register. Or are all of the astropaths blind? Ding, ding, ding. There you are. Wow. And that's a thing. So I think they probably didn't mention it because they're like, oh, you're going to hear astropath and you already know what's up. They're all blind. (laughs) Yes, I, I feel like I did know that. I think I just made an assumption because I think they describe her as having like milky eyes or something or like white. Like there's something weird about her I eyes when they first spooky. introduced her. You yeah. know, mystical. Oh, like a, this was a storm situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like she was using powers at the time. Yeah, and yeah. It, it all turned. Yeah. Hit yeah. me up in the hypothetical comments if you know this reference. Yeah. So, but you could say that Ing May Sing is blind, yet she sees. That sounds so familiar, actually. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Second Dune book. Oh. Or at the very least, it's the second. It's at the very least, because I've seen this more recently, it's the Sci Fi Channel's adaptation of the first three books. Mm-hmm. They use that line. But I think it's in the books as well. That makes yeah. sense. Re- referring to Muad'Dib. But everyone who's listening should know that this is also a Dune podcast. Yes. Because yeah. we <laughs> reference it all the time. Yeah. You know, Warhammer, Warhammer references did that Dune too. constantly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's only fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so all astropaths, the process. I don't know how much I want to digress into how astropaths happen, um, but they take psychic people and then they have to make sure that they're like powerful enough that they don't get all warpy. Um, so there's this whole process where they get changed um, and it's unclear how it's done in the 30K versus the 40K, whatever. That's not important. Point is, is that the process doing it like blasts them and their eyes are like almost always destroyed or entirely burned out of their sockets or driven blind, but then they can all use psychic powers to see anyway, so it doesn't really mean anything for them. So they can all just see psychically, but they don't have eyeballs anymore. Point is, astropaths are all blind, so they probably just hand-waved it at first, and then we're like, oh shit, we should mention it. Okay. Um, here we are. But Ing Mei Sing, talking to Horus, Horus lays out everything that's going on in a 
sort of awkward chapter of it's like, well, let's check in on Sanguinius. Let's check in on Lehman Rest and let's check in on Magnus and let's talk about what Vulcan and Doran. He's like, I'm just going to talk about all the Primarchs and where they are. And he's like just setting obviously setting the board for like what everybody's at to go into the horse heresy. So everyone can be like, what are these going on? And then he can't seem to talk to his bros and the Mechanicus, and he's real grumpy about it because it's very important for him to talk to Fabricator General Kelbor Hall of the Mechanicum, which is a good good name. He's important later on. Is he um, like Regulus's Primarch? Or? Yeah, he's like the guy in charge. Okay. But I mean, he's still like a... But they're not space marines. No, they're just... But they've all like modified themselves mechanically a ton. And he probably speaks in that terrible robot voice <laughs> that we saw, heard from the last book when Regulus speaks. And he sounds sort of embarrassing. Um, also, as we've learned, and as, as of this morning, September 10th, my 40K meme groups have been filled with that Elon Musk's third child is apparently named Techno Mechanicus. <laughs> so he, he... Not his third child. His third child, his third child with, by Grimes. With yes. Grimes. He has... A lot of children. Yes, too many children, clearly. I was not aware. Yeah, but Technomechanicus. So apparently, there you go. I don't know what that means. Is that true? That's not a joke that you're no, making. No, it's not a joke. joke. <laughs> nope. I actually, I don't know. I think you I might be in the minority. Was... No, but I love that. I love the <laughs> stupid names they give their kids. Yeah. Had I children, they would all have stupid names. So <laughs> Moving on from Mr. Musk. But uh, anyway, we've got a lot of... A lot of exposition about what all of the other Primarchs are doing that's important for later books, but not actually particularly important for this one. Um, what is the Astronomicon? Oh, the Astronomicon. Oh, it's Astronomicon. The Astronomicon is like a giant magical lighthouse that's on the real Terra. That is how all ships navigate through the warp. So it's this like super potent beacon that shines out from Terra and ships have these guys called navigators because Dune mm-hmm. um, who can see <laughs> they have a third eye so they can see into the warp and they can see this. They can see this beacon, lighthouse. Beacon, this yeah. lighthouse. Is there a, no, is there a ghost Rex Harrison on this lighthouse? <laughs> that's a, <laughs> I'm going to make the oldest pop culture that might be reference. The oldest ever. pop culture reference we've gotten. Uh, it's out there for the ghost of Mrs. Mirror fans. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting extra obscure today. Um, yes, but that's obviously leads the thing. But anyway, it's a giant magical lighthouse that the Emperor set up so people could travel through the warp. Um, and if they don't have it, then they're not going to be able to travel through the warp well, and it's going to be real bad. Okay. That's going to play into things in the future. Okay. Um, he also wants to know about this Keeler, who they call the Saint. So, very sinister. Oh, no, he's coming after. Can I ask, how long has passed between the first act of Saint Keeler and now? (laughs) That is an excellent question. Six monthish, I, I think it's what. Is I, that what they say? Okay. I don't know if they said that. No, that was I don't my think impression. they said that. And and I just don't understand how it could be this long before he decides to murder her if it has been six months. Yeah. And I might be even. And thinking, if it there was hasn't? a time jump in the last book, maybe I'm even thinking about that. I mean, they've anyway, been but, traveling. Sorry. It sounds like, but yeah, who knows? Um, well, you know, he hasn't. She hasn't been writing rude poetry about him. So that's his really main criteria. It's only writers. <laughs> he murders writers. So uh, she hasn't written anything snarky about him. So he hasn't really noticed her until now. And he probably doesn't really listen to people much that are like talking <laughs> around him. <laughs> I can just imagine for the last six months people trying to tell him about Keeler. Yeah. Malagurst is constantly like, so anyway, there's a problem. And he's like looking in the mirror and. Checking out. Well, he's getting his new outfit together. Yeah. He's getting his new. Is he still wearing laurels? Place. 
I, I don't know. Okay. No, well, I don't know. We're going to talk about the red light from his gorget later on, <laughs> um, which is a weird choice. But uh, What's a gorget? It's like a neck okay. armor thing. Okay. Um, but then we get to the part that I've been most excited about this chapter of Mercity. Uh. Just, <laughs> ben just leans into Thirsty. it. Thirsty. Mercedes uh. watching Loken train. And wow. This is my least favorite thing. I... I I just, uh, you can, it, it doesn't feel like she has Loken's consent to be objectifying him or sexualizing him here. Like, he's just trying to work out. And I'm beginning to think it's pretty gross. What part of gross is stripped to the waist and wearing only pale fatigues and combat boots? Loken glistened with sweat as he ducked and wove between the combat appendages of a training servitor. Although few of the Rebrembrancers have been privileged enough to witness an Astartes fight in battle, it was said that they could kill with their bare hands as effectively as they could with a bolter and chainsword, which is undoubtedly not true. Clearly, the bolter and chainsword helps. But, <laughs> like a lot. Um, watching Loken. If it was as good, you yeah, would just never bring those. with bolters and chainswords, yeah. <laughs> watching Loken demolishing the servitor limb by limb, Mercy could well believe it. She saw such power in his broad, over-muscled torso and such intense focus in his sharp gray eyes that she wondered that she was not repelled by Loken. He was a killing machine, created and trained to deal death. But she couldn't stop watching and blink-clicking images of his yeah. heroic physique. And her spank bank again. Yeah. I don't appreciate it. But I think Cinderman's on the same page, because right in the next <laughs> thing, he's like, don't you have enough pics of Garviel already? <laughs> <laughs> Do you really need another? Calm down. <laughs> Calm down, girl. Yeah, just so she is. Anyway. We have another image to add to the, you know, flesh-covered barrel oh, torso yeah. is that it's overly muscled yeah. in oh, addition yeah. to me. Yeah, overly anything is yeah. a bad thing. By definition. Just pecs all like ass. His pecs have pecs. Yeah. He's doing it's, that. I imagine he's doing that thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger used to do where he would flex each of his mm. pecs, pecs. Yeah. alternately. Um, or I imagine like as a cartoon, like, you know, in like old tiny cartoons when somebody would flex their bicep and, and like then, a muscle would have a muscle or <laughs> have yeah. a muscle yeah. like on there. Yeah. Or I've got one too. <laughs> go around. We're going around clockwise talking about his muscles. I love it. A character who actually shares a name with me. Oh, there's a spoiler, I guess. But um, an undertale. There's a horse that has like a 12 pack, like yeah. a long torso and like a 12 pack. So that's what that's what I pictured. Yeah. I don't know if I got I did a, that. I did a little cross stitch of that the, horse. Um, that's great. I have it framed in I my was, home. Wow. I tried to do the fully pacifist route and it was just too hard. I, oh, yeah. I, I eventually gave up. Oh, I did the murder everything. I route. know, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> murder so. everything route's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is an Undertale podcast. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, overly muscled, super physique. Um, we're gonna try to avoid talking about cum gutters this time around. I'm sure. Ew, <laughs> you did it this time. <laughs> you brought it up. It's just been waiting, just lingering back there, taking the thirst away. Yeah. Um, servitors. He's yeah. fighting a servitor. Is yeah. That. Am I remembering correctly that that's, that's a lobotomized yeah, dude? Yeah, just a lobotomized just, dude. And they just, just tore apart. He just tears them. Yeah. So that kind of puts me more on your guys' side about, so were they trampling civilians? I was against right. that. But then it. They're doing this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But if those civilians were lobotomized, <laughs> then yeah. they would be fine with it. Yeah, this servitor presumably did some crime, which was probably hilariously benign, um, <laughs> yeah. and then got lobotomized. And now, yeah, is this there to be torn apart by space marines? Yeah. So. Do they um, use their methods to make them super muscular like, spoiler alert, Maggard is getting? Do they at least muscle these guys up a bit? Oh, yeah. Usually the servitors are, like, hilarious. Like, 
they'll have like weapons attached and like it talks oh. about it as combat limbs. Oh. So those are presumably like weapons. And yeah, yeah this like this machine's it's it's more a machine than man. Okay. We literally just talked about Dune, but saying again, it did remind me of, I was picturing the training thing that, fam- the, you know, at the beginning of every Dune project, you see mm-hmm. Paul training with when Gurney is walking down the hall. Yeah. And I was picturing that, but but a guy. Yeah. Swirling limbs and blades. Like a Doc and, Ock kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah Absolutely. Know. All sorts of super <laughs> dangerous. Um, okay. But, they have to keep making those, though, because they keep tearing them apart. Yeah. 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 And again, they keep having to find lobotomized people to turn mm. into robots that this they can This is why they got to bring Lucius and Saul back so they can fight actual people yeah. instead of yes. ruining the servitors. Well, they lot. talk about how he's so lonely and that he doesn't get to fight with anybody else. Like, Loken doesn't have any friends Did anymore. Did they say he was lonely about that? Well, they said that it seems sad that he doesn't get to fight with anyone else and he gets sad about it. Because Mercy is, like, really callous about it. Just like, it's great that you're alone all the time now and so we can just come talk to you. And he's like, yeah. Oh, I had, you know what? I remember when I had friends. Imagine a single tear. <laughs> I find it very hard to feel bad for Loken. I want to feel bad for him, but he just seems so head in the sand, ostriching about everything because he's mm-hmm. like... Hmm, I haven't seen either of you much lately. And they're like, do you know what's been happening around here, you idiots? I, so I have a note. Um, where is it? Where I ask if he's mementoing. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it feels like every time there's a time jump, Loken forgets everything bad that's happening. Literally <laughs> and, every single thing. And yeah. just resets right back to, it's like, well, I guess we're in a war, so I'm a space marine, so time to go fight some guys. And it's yes. like, did you not see the last two books of activities? Like, it's gone. And so he needs some tattoos. They're like, Horus is bad on one arm. Carcassy. Remember Carcassy. <laughs> yes. Just all of these. It's like he just resets back to generic you know, Luna Wolf hero space marine guy and completely forgets all the bad things that have happened. I think it's so just from like a writer perspective, I feel like what they're trying to do is make Loken the entry point for someone who's starting this novel but hasn't read any of the other ones. But it's done in such a way that, like, if you have read all, you're like, like, you were there. You not know these things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He doesn't seem that concerned, though, even when they do tell him. They're like, yeah, well, they're really cracking down. And he's like, hmm. Yeah, yeah. He he expresses more concern when we see him talking to, like, Torgodden, I feel like, later. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I can't tell if it's just that he doesn't want to talk to them about it or if he doesn't. Maybe they're Care. they're putting some sort of forgetting powder inside his lapping powder. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he polishes his sword. I will point out oh, hey, hold on. <laughs> he polishes what's going on here. <laughs> That's a different powder. Uh, you, you guys use powder for that? Well, you know. <laughs> mix it up. Seems Very like smart. that would be uncomfortable. <laughs> this is in the, the 30k universe, so they don't have <laughs> It's less. This whole part. This is more man. That's the more manly way to do it. Ooh, yes. Sandpaper. (laughs) That's how space rings. That's the only way they can feel. So, because they're so tough. (laughs) This section, we lost every listener right now, and we deserve it. So that's fine. (laughs) Um, I was talking about swords. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just Walter and I. We're bad influences. It's a problem. Um, His face does crumple a number of times. I feel over this conversation. Um, where His face is crumply, where they where people say like mean things about people that are in there. And it's like, 
he's cr- they're cracking down hard, not to, so everyone can see it, but it's happening. You know it too. And he's like, do I? Ignace Carcassy. And Loken's face crumpled and he looked away, unable to hide the grief he felt for the dead Carcassy. So, yeah, he gets real, real sad about all of his things. I also like that they point out that Cinderman says, and I love this quote about Carcassy. They say he killed himself, but I've never known a man more convinced that the galaxy needed to hear what he had to say. <laughs> I actually do really like that. Yeah. yeah, I do. It's like there's no way he killed himself. I know people like that. Yeah, he's got shit to talk about. Um, and then they also point out that they don't think it, it sounds like they just said that Petronella went home back to Terra. But yes. they're all like she did not go home back to Terra. Then they go on and, you know, they're talking about that this tyranny is starting to, to go, which, again, I feel it's a little bit of it's like, man, this tyranny is really bad now that it's happening to us. But we have been going to planet to planet, murdering people if they don't join our empire. Um, but now we're getting tyrannized and that's uncomfortable. Just to be clear, he's talking about tyranny, not tyranny. Right. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the schwa in there is very important. <laughs> um, OK, but so then. Cinderman is they're like, oh, what did happen over there with that library, Cinderman? <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, I was reading this book and a wart monster came and blah, blah, blah. And then she was going to fight this monster with nothing but her faith. And they're like, how did she survive? And he's like, that's the part where I run out of rational explanations. Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part. That's the part you ran out of. The the part after the warp monster and Ingmay Singh coming in and you're fighting it. But the part where there's any hint of religion is where you uh-huh. ran out of <laughs> rational explanation. There was a monster, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> we left the room. Yes, yeah. yes. yes. Yeah. He... What was it? He uh, talked about it was sorcery. The one thing that all these years I've been preaching is lie. But he's like, it's sorcery. Sorcery I'm on board for. But <laughs> faith I in know. the emperor. Hmm. Well, I, that reminded me of uh, a f- favorite turn of phrase I heard from our friend Boomy this week, which was, you'll get carpal tunnel from hand waving that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like every dad in every haunted house horror movie who's like, I just saw a ghost scream in my face, but I don't think my house is haunted. It's <laughs> like, not. Like, no, I yeah. can't see, even though we're seeing. Yeah. But again, his willingness to not accept uh, sort of these things. But um, I also want to go back to there's a bit, uh, just a bit I like because it's the 40K nerd in me because he's talking about this tyranny of Horace cracking down and he's talking about all these other like tyrants in human history that have done so and he's like mark my words the age of strife was made possible when the doubting voices fell silent now in the story the age of strife happened because uh like robots rose up in a rebellion (laughs) and demons started appearing on planets because psychers were being possessed and a giant warp storm happened the cutoffs of like i'm sure there were tyrants as part of it but it wasn't like it's like well we're not going to fight back against this guy taking our rights away. It's like, oh, it's the murder robots that have risen up and are destroying the human empire. Yeah. Like, I don't. It's a weird. It's a weird thing to claim that mm-hmm. the real problem was people not standing up for their rights. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, I think, you know what, though? That's pretty common when people refer to events from history is taking that and molding it to whatever narrative mm-hmm. you want to use right now. Right. <laughs> But, well, he's an iterator, so I guess that's his job, mm-hmm. is to do all these things. Um, but then Malagurst shows up and gets real mad that uh, that he's talking to civilians, and Loken and Malagurst almost have a little throwdown. 
because how dare he be speaking to them? And doesn't Loken know that they are not allowed to go anywhere? And apparently Loken just didn't up until this point, which, <laughs> again, is sort of weird because he has not been paying literally any attention at all. OK, so so then, though, I want to say Mercity is like, oh, yeah, we made it here because I've learned from you how to keep a low profile. <laughs> low profile from loken from loken famously low profile loken what that's what his friends call him low profile loken what exactly has she learned that got her from point a to point b what has she learned from loken that did that that's probably why they get caught (laughs) i mean malagers just walks in and they're all like hi here's our low profile we're hanging out with this dude so yeah none of that None at all. I mean, especially with Cinderman tagging along, who's obviously frail and cannot move mm-hmm. at a very quick pace at all. <laughs> well, so, but we're going to get to all of his his epic deception checks. He's much better at subterfuge. Yeah, <laughs> later on, we're going to get to. It's like they really need to let him do the talking more yeah. uh, for all of these situations. But he almost throws down against Malagurst. Um, everyone gets mad. They, they bring in some... Like they point out, they bring in some soldiers that they've taken off all their insignia so they don't have like their Imperial Army stuff anymore. So they're being very suspicious. And we see Maggard, who we alluded to earlier, and that Maggard is now like getting all beefy. Like they're pumping yeah, him full of extra about organs. That, he's like, oh, I can do things they can't send space marines to do because I can do it kind of secretly and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, but now let's juice you up so you basically look like one of these dudes anyway. Turn you into a giant monster. And so how does that help? And and my question is, are they going to return his vocal cords? Is that something they're going to regrow? It feels like that should be, if they can... tongue or whatever, I don't remember what they took away. Create new organs inside a man's body, which he talks about. Why can't they give him... New Glottis. I mean, I think their least favorite thing about people is when they talk. So I don't think they're real keen on letting this guy talk anymore. Or it's just very excited to have right. somebody who can. Yeah, this guy's uh-huh. awesome to have around. They don't even have the quill anymore, right? For right. Yeah. Communicate no, he them. just has that data slate around his neck. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Writes orders. He on. writes, I can't say on it right. constantly. Uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, Loken or Cinderman, as he's being like dragged off by army guys, is like, if you want to understand more, read the Chronicles of Ersh again. There you'll find illumination. And that'll lead to a thing later. I don't know if that would make me feel great about it, considering how they've been using illumination. Yeah. <laughs> it's like always. They're going to kill you when you read this book. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time we heard illumination not used as a metaphor for murder? <laughs> so He should have said, take a look. It's in a book. <laughs> <laughs> that leads to, oh, is that our casting? Is our casting for Cinderman going to be a... Uh... LeVar Burton. Burton. That's I'm actually amazing. Okay. I'm actually yeah. okay with I would take a LeVar yeah. Burton. Yeah. Um, he might not be old enough looking and frail yeah. enough yeah. looking. He can he can frail up as he's he needs actor. to. He's an AI. He's good at it. So um anyway, moving on to chapter two. Lucius needs some counseling. Cinderman succeeds at some deception checks. Loken and Tarek make a new friend. So yeah, we get to we're gonna cut right to Emperor's Children fighting Greenskins. So Salt Harvitz, my boy, is back with his friend Lucius. They're fighting orcs somewhere. We get to talk about the handsome perfection of the Emperor's Children, reminding you once again that these are anime characters. Yeah. And this so. is where I really started to like this author. Yeah, he goes on on and on about the 
splendor of their Primark. <laughs> yes, and how elegant everything's mm-hmm. elegant, and they do use the word perfection too many times. We get a perfect lot. a lot, and like I get that it's their shtick, but we need some we need some synonyms for perfect. Okay, but can I talk about Lucius's face forever? Yes, forever. <laughs> we... So he was too. Perfect, pristine, pretty boy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he decided to give himself some vanity scars. Yeah. But God, I loved it, it so says, much. Do you want to read it? Uh, oh, okay. Um, it says there though in a perfect grin across his face. So like, it, it's like I'm imagining his face is like similar to like if you see those pristine grid lawns in like. Places with like HOAs and people mm. with too much time on their hands to do their lawns, and you have that kind of like perfect crisscross of. I uh, used to do that. Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was like that with our lawn. Or, yeah. or like, and I was also wondering. It doesn't explicitly say that Lucius did this to himself, and I'm wondering, in the 40k universe or 30k, whatever. Do they have people kind of like tattoo artists, but they're like scar artists that you can go to? And he brought in like a like a chessboard and said, give me this. <laughs> <laughs> I want this. Look. Or if you like ever had friends or did yourself like numb an ear with an ice cube and then stick a needle in or a safety yeah. pin in it's to give like yourself a piercing. Yeah. All over he called Tarbit Saul in or somebody and was like. I got a really cool idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like that they say that Lucius had started to acquire scars, each one uniform and straight and a perfect grid across his face. So stupid. No enemy blade <laughs> so had etched them the into his face. Scar. He looks like a pinhead. He looks uh-huh. like a, no, that's, yeah. Yeah. a xenobite. Is that what they're called? Xenobite. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. He looks like a xenobite. <laughs> but yeah. And again, this is and he did it in response to people calling him a pampered boy rather than a warrior too much. And this is why space Marines need counselors. Like, no question. <laughs> this is. He needs help. If any world where you interact with a bunch of people and somebody made fun of somebody and then that person came in with a scar grid on their face, <laughs> you would be like, well, we need to talk about this. And 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 Tarvitz, the most level headed of space Marines, is just like, yeah, he's doing this uh, face scar grid thing now, which <laughs> is a completely reasonable reaction to people calling him a little bit of a namby pamby. And you're like, this is this is the most rational person in these books. And he's still like, that's yeah, it's normal. And the audacity of people calling him like a pampered pretty boy as if he can't kick everyone's ass. Like, I know Lucius <laughs> has been annoying, but like it is established that he's like the best uh, fight, like sword right. swordsman in the entire. Yeah. Like uh, in all the Emperor's children and yeah. maybe and even amongst the other legions, he's famous for being just this unbeatable swordsman. And they're and all famously like, pretty. Yeah. Yes. Every yeah. emperor's Every children one is beautiful top and perfect. To bottom is gorgeous. Why is he the one that everyone's like? They're all like brushing out their long white locks uh-huh. and their anime looks, and they're like, "Oh, Lucius the pretty boy came in," <laughs> and it's like literally all of you look like this. So, including the guy that you aspire to be, it's insane. Like, why do you think? Saul spends any amount of time talking to Lucius. <laughs> they're, 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 you know, friends. yeah, it's it's opposites attract. It's it's bosom buddies. It's yeah, you, bosom, know. you don't even know. No. I just taught you what bosom yeah, buddies was. I'm still in there. You had no idea you gotta, that show it's, existed. It's more odd couple even <laughs> yeah. anything. I was gonna say that's they aren't cross dressing so they can live on the lady ship. Oh, can I you ever. imagine though? <gasps> 
<laughs> I so, would read that book. Yeah. Where they like, if only Sisters of Battle were in 30K, so they could disguise themselves as Sisters of Battle. <laughs> but like, the, I want to watch this about somebody. But they would be comically date. giant because Sisters of Battle are still like normal sized people, but they're wearing like bulky power armor. But mm-hmm. they would be like comically large. But like, no, having just... to wear these fake wigs. And uh, yeah, I would watch the hell out of that. I should wear the wigs on the helmet. Like... <laughs> I have a hat. Um, yeah, so anyway, we're going to talk about Lucius's weird-ass face forever, because it's insane. Um, um, he's I, making choices. So, oh, so before we moved on from that part, I just wanted to say, I like this... I feel like Lucius often has little bits of foreshadowing for things that are clearly coming up, but <laughs> this line where he was talking about um, that he was disappointed at how easy the fight was, like beating the greenskins, right. and he's like, how can we achieve ultimate perfection with such poor specimens to better ourselves against? And mm-hmm. it's like, you guys, we know you're going to fight other spacemen. <laughs> if only. We, we know what's coming. If I only. I think I said last time he's going to foreshadow himself to death. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, uh, I, I just had a couple of uh, quotes in here that I wanted to talk about, too, where uh, Saul was like, don't underestimate them. They have spaceships, weapons we don't understand. And they attack as if war was some kind of religion to them. As if war was some kind of religion to them. (laughs) I just want to ask, how is that different from y'all? That's they're they're these guys are are they claim to be like perfection and like they treat it as like this this ideal that they do. But yeah, it's I don't know if anybody else has this sentence down, but this is one of my favorites. The Emperor's children cheered in response. It had been a classic victory for the Legion. Hard, fast, and perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wrote, the Emperor's children like their victories, like they like their men. <laughs> Hard, fast, and perfect. I mean, yeah. But I guess apparently not too, not too pretty, though, because then they'll make fun of you. There's a certain level. Yeah, as long as your grid on your face is <laughs> Right. It grid. is a perfect grid. So yeah. good for that. Even though their Primarch is Sephiroth, they have <laughs> oh, to. Yeah, how dare he? looks so pretty. Um, we also then get to, they learned, you know, Fulgrim shows up and we get to talk a lot more about how perfect he looks and how pretty anime boy he is. Um, and you know, he lays out a bunch of exposition for what they're going to go do and that they're going to be fighting alongside the world leaders and the death guard. And then everyone's like, I, I, li- I like this bit where Tarvitz is worried that they're sounding too arrogant and they're like, we're going to fight alongside these two other legions who suck. <laughs> <laughs> we, these guys are garbage. They're going to see how awesome we are. And then Tarvitz is like, are we too arrogant? <laughs> and it's like, yes. I like how he's thinking back to it. Like, mm, I think. Was it Torgaden or Loken who told him that uh, they Torgaden. were? Torgaden was like, aren't you guys a little arrogant? And he's like, uh-uh, no, <laughs> we are not. It's hard. But now he's like, maybe he was right. Yeah. Maybe he was right. Maybe the fact that every time we talk about anyone else, we talk about how much better we are can than we, them. Can, but I think we need to just kind of make sure we don't gloss over, though, a, a few things. I don't know if Sarah had any uh, notes about the... Primark's intoxicating presence. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Yeah, and flag that whole the whole, passage, the whole intro to Fulgrim. Coming. Tarvitz felt his pulse race at the thought of setting eyes on his beloved Primark once more. It's just written like a romance. Ben, ben is clearly went to the Dan Abnett school of thirsty thirsty writing. <laughs> We're definitely firmly back in everyone's oh, gay territory. Oh, we love this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So far, 
I, I feel like, and I may eat these words next time, but I, I feel like I really like this writer the best so I far. I do too. Yeah. There you go. Well, like I say, I think, again, the the line earlier, and I think we see more of these coming up, like in the last chapter, the little Cinderman zing at Mercity. I feel that he saw that all these other writers wrote Mercity is Thirsty. And then he's like, so I have to write Mercity is Thirsty and I'm going to crank it up to 11. But then I'm also <laughs> going to have this character be like, Hey, girl, <laughs> like I also re- read it to be like, this is weird. <laughs> and I'm going to acknowledge that it's weird oh, with I, this other I character. Interpretation. Yeah. And I think he does that a couple times where he's like having to build on these other two authors and all their weird things that they have done. But he's also like, these are weird. I know I'm I'm in on the joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you guys out there mm-hmm. in, in book reading land that, uh, yeah, she's being real strange. But here we are. And I think he definitely picked up the. uh the space marine primar corniness of Dan Abnett. And he's like, yeah, let's go. Let's like, I love this. Let's yeah. continue this trend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Intoxicating. Yes, it is. So anyway, good times. Um, and then we get to see our favorite Eidolon again, who Ugh. everyone yes, everyone hates because he's the worst, um, even though they were dwarfed by Fulgrim's physical size and his sheer charisma, as one is wont to do. Um, but that they're going to send them off and they and then Tarvitz gets to be all I love always the conflicting emotions in all these characters that Tarvitz is like, oh, I don't get to hang out with my primer. Oh, I get to see my new friend Targodden again. Like, <laughs> yeah. So like, ah, I don't know which one of these I, I'm excited about, but um, but he's going down and then they point out that they're sending four legions to the Istvan system to deal with it. And I feel it's a little unfair that Tarvitz is thinking to himself four legions. That's. That's a lot. What the hell could you possibly need four legions for? And then Lucius is like, four legions for one system? That's absurd. And he's like, hey, Lucius. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you saying? Are you saying that the War Master's wrong? And it's like, you just thought. <laughs> well, no, he thought it. There, mm-hmm. There's a difference between what you can think and what you can oh. say. And if you say it out loud, then that's questioning. And I, I I disagree with Lucius, who's like, I'm not a question. Yeah, you were questioning. <laughs> you literally were. You said a thing with a question mark. <laughs> so he did literally ask the question for one system. Um, and it also feels like he then goes on to also continue to question, like, because Tarvit says something about it concerns me, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. paths that they're going down. I feel like Lucius and Tarvitz are sort of mirrors of um, Torgodden and Loken, but if Torgodden and Loken were more capable of <laughs> introspection <laughs> or like figuring things figuring out, figuring things out, <laughs> like reasoning things out. Yeah, they know. have way less information than Loken and Torgodden at all times. And yet, Come to I the feel same like, conclusion. yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is that space marine cleverness we've been hearing so much about. It's just sadly, Loken and Torgodden are a bit slow. I also, although before we say that they're too bright, I do like that. Lucia says, come, Saul, did you lose your taste for battle against the Greenskins? And Tarvitz says, a taste for battle? Tarvitz had never considered such an idea. It's like, Bullshit. <laughs> never Bullshit. thought about. He's just doing his job. Yeah. yeah. And he's also all of a sudden worried about genocide. He's like, oh, there's not going to be much of these people left. Yeah. And it's like, why are you worried all of a sudden about this? You are constantly genociding people. That is what you guys this do. This is your whole job. <laughs> I just like the idea that, again, like. He's never just even considered the notion of a taste for battle up until this moment, even though he's surrounded by people that all constantly revel in it. But. It's a are we the baddies moment. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
but yes, and then they they get all concerned about that. You know, there's rebel worlds, and they're having to go back and patch up the crusade, and that's never been a thing they've had to do before, and how how bad this is going to be, and and then poor Tarvitz just wants victory, and it's anyway sad times. Um, and then we get to back to Cinderman and some wonderful scenes with Cinderman. Locked in his room. He's all sad about. Yeah. Sad about all the books that got destroyed because apparently there's no <laughs> digital editions in the 30K universe. Well, yeah, they should have been digitizing these for sure. Or making copies. They're like all these precious books that they had and they're like, well, I guess we'll just leave the one copy of this ever and not have a lobotomized, you know, copying servitor that can start making and cranking these out if we need. But yeah. I, I reflected while I was reading this part about how Cinderman is in your worst nightmare scenario as far as jailing. Oh, me. Having no books. I like he's actually in a room with a ton of books. He just doesn't have the ton, ton of books that the library has. <laughs> <laughs> like they point out that he has books. He's like, I've already read all these. These books suck. So, um, I also like his insane idea of just writing down what he can remember from these books, which, <laughs> let's be honest, like, Read a philosophical work and then try to write kind of what you can remember from it. <laughs> yeah. It's not that's not useful well, to anybody. He might have a better brain than I you. Guess he's supposed to. Well, they even point out that he's not doing a great job of it. <laughs> he's just sort of kind of cranking this stuff out and whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's how they wrote like the new living translation of the Bible. <laughs> Someone was like, I read this once. Yeah, it's yeah. just it sounds rightish. <laughs> like, it's close enough to me. Um but then he gets a vision. He's he's mayor, he's writing, he's thinking about the emperor, he's thinking about Keeler, and then he finds that he's written, not of his own volition, she needs you on the page. So mm-hmm. he's having visions, and again, he he's literally has a vision of, let's see, the war master strong and powerful in his newly forged suit of black plate armor, an amber eye glowing like a coal from the furnace, claws slid from the war master's gauntlets, and an evil red glow built from his gorget, illuminating his face with a ghastly demonic light. Um, so yeah, he's having visions and everything, and he'll still later be like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know about this emperor worship, but it, it, can I have faith? I like that he chooses to put a spooky red light underneath his face, oh, yeah. though. Yeah. That's like me when I would tell scary stories to my little siblings. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let me go get the flashlight and my little my little red thing to put over it. And, yeah. and this is stuck in. So they they I know that they when they made up Horus, they wanted to have his character look like not a monster villain when they first wrote him. But. All of the art of Horus <laughs> from stuff that they'd written up until this point is comically evil. Yeah. <laughs> like he looks he's a monster. <laughs> like yeah. He's just the baddest guy. Um, so, yeah, they had to have him now have to do his, you know, queer eye glow up of changing his whole look and outfit and everything to make him villain. Like A literal it, glow up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Cinderman goes, you don't have to put on the red light. <laughs> <laughs> How many Horus. references can we fit into yes. an episode? Well, when our when our uh, you don't our, have to battle into the night. We can keep going. I, I prefer it. the version from Moulin Rouge. Yes, Horus. <laughs> this does lead. You don't have to put on the, on the red Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We need to save this for the musical. Yeah, we obviously need a musical episode. That's what everyone's doing these days. Our musical episode of. <sighs> Zero to 40K. Um, 
Anyway, so he he gets this message. Ah, he's got to go, and he, he's real concerned about it. And then we get back to an exposition chapter where all of the other ships join up with the uh, amp, uh with the Sons of Horus and all the others. So we get to hear about like the big spaceships of all the other legions. So you know, the vengeful spirit pops through, and it's all fancy and cool looking and neat. Um, although again, they apparently refitted it entirely to look cool. Did we already pass by where? Cinderman was talking his way. No, that's the, the next because they do the. Oh my gosh! They keep going back and forth. They I hit can't us on keep this. Keep it straight. They hit us with this cliffhanger. I'm sorry. No, but we get so. And they point out that they repainted this ship. Um, for some context, these ships are Gloriana cast or Gloriana class battleships, and they're all like 20 kilometers long, and they take the time to. We're Americans in here. Okay, they're like 10 <laughs> miles long, <laughs> and they. Apparently, after the battle, take the time to paint it a new color. <laughs> like they're like, I can't paint this white anymore. <laughs> the quantity. I just like the idea of the quantity of paint required to like repaint Did they paint this it 20 black to match thing. his new goth armor. No, it's now metallic gray <laughs> green. Oh, right. Okay. That's their colors. He's just yeah. wearing the black armor because apparently he's a cool gothy guy. Yeah. So his with his red light side bangs now. Yes, <laughs> that he grew out. Yeah, he's grown out that little the swoop his em over yeah. um, just for himself. Um, and then they point out in counterpoint to that the Death Guard capital ship, the Endurance, uh, doesn't. They're like it doesn't have any embellishments because it's brutal and efficient. They're like no embellishments, no nothing more adornment than was necessary. And they talk about the single brazen skull on the prow, which is apparently necessary. And I will remind you, this is a 20 kilometer long vessel. And they put a fuck off giant skull on the front. And that adornment is apparently necessary. He's like, nothing except I do want a vast building size skull. Also, does it? I guess this is later on, but doesn't he have a whole throne of skulls when oh. they come, like, do their little meeting later? Well, there's a, a banner that has a throne oh, of skulls that's what I mean. on yeah, it. Like, yes. but no, he doesn't need any adornment. No, no. <laughs> just, just a big old fuck-off skull on the thing. Um, and then we get to see Angron's flagship, uh, and it's blunt and muscular. And blah, blah, blah. And then the Emperor's Children one is, of course, sleek and and perfect and whatever. They all, they all have ships. <laughs> they all... Like, there's no standardization of ships. They all got to build ships to, like, uh-huh. kind of reflect their shtick. This is literally good. my favorite part of these books. <laughs> <laughs> is that everybody gets a different aesthetic. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Like, all the legions really... Like, how frustrating must that be for the Mechanicus that all of these Primarchs are coming? It's like, no, 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 my ship. All right, check <laughs> this out. I need a 12-story tall skull on the front of my boat. But no adornments. But no adornments. Just this one fuck-off giant skull. And could you ever imagine a fleet that's more just, like, clearly the villain's fleet? It's, <laughs> right. like, the sexy sleek ship and yeah. then the one with the skull on the front. <laughs> and, like, a sort of creepy green one. Yeah, and it's a brutal and thing. Yeah. It's, yes. It's like, these are clearly, again, the bad guys. Uh, then we get back to, I don't know why they threw this chapter, like, in yeah. out of the blue i forgot they did that yeah and then we get back to cinderman uh because the alarms all go off that they're translating out of the warp and he's like this is his time and then he gets to go up and just play the whole grandfather shtick to yeah. the guards outside I, what i don't understand here is just the very beginning where they're like you don't look sick it's like doesn't he look sick and frail all the time <laughs> yeah. i feel he's like a million he years old. just said oh yeah i have the i have the whatever space disease i need to go to the <laughs> Space measles. Uh-huh. Um, 
But no, he knows because he uses all of his iterator tricks mm-hmm. to make himself seem a kindly grandfather. Yeah. And he like taps the soldier on the arm and talks about that his friends in the medical bay and that she's dying and he lets a single tear then fall. He name drops Malagurst, which I know they point out was a risk, but that was a real risk. Yeah. I wish they'd said Malagurst. That asshole wouldn't give two shits about you <laughs> and your daughter, yeah, quote I, unquote. This is always the scene. It, like I get mad in every like heisty movie. When people do this, and I just want the guard to always be like, "Oh, Malaga, great! Let me just call and yeah, check. I'm gonna call him really <laughs> quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is this will be so easy to figure out. I'll just call him real quick. He'll give permission. We'll move on. Be like, oh shit! But no one ever does. Everyone's mm-hmm. always like, oh okay, I guess you can go on. And they give him a chit, and uh, so he can go. That's why these to the guys day. really need to though. Um, uh, they need to think about whether that ruling all these soldiers by fear is a good thing. If they're so afraid of you, they won't give you a quick call to see if you let this old man out. You know, that's just bad leadership. That's, yeah, the villain downfall of villains right there. Um, and then I like that he has to turn quickly so they don't see the relief on his face <laughs> as he gets over. Like I just and, imagine him turning around going, phew. Yeah. <laughs> and they talk about that he's smiling. Like he's just sort of grinning like a loon as he walks away, like so proud that he, he got one over. But whatever, he, he he nailed. This guy's got levels of bard or rogue or whatever, <laughs> and he's nailing his skill checks uh, left and right. Um, then we finally get Loken and Torgaden are getting to chat, and we get to the... Once again, I feel Torgaden has been holding a bunch of facts back. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so furious. Well, again, I'm wondering, this is another reason why I was like, how long has yes. been between these books? Because we know it's been long enough for Peter Egon Mobus to Bobby Burke the ship. <laughs> <laughs> In a massive way, yeah. adding a whole, like, another room. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just, like, I don't I don't understand how time is passing. Well, and what makes me the most mad for Justice for Carcassy moment here, because uh, Loken's like, the Remembrancers have been saying that, that some of these people have been already murdered, and Torgan's like, who? And he's like, Ignace and Petronella Vivar. And Torgan's like, Carcassy, damn, I'd heard he'd killed himself. I should have known they'd find a way to do it. The Warrior Lodge was talking about silencing him. Abaddon in particular. They didn't call it murder, although Abaddon seemed to think it was the same as killing an enemy in war. That's when I broke with the Lodge. It's like, did they say how it was to be done? It's like, no, just that it needed to be done. And it's like, you could have told him. You could have told Karksy. You could have had people watching. (laughs) Have you thought about mentioning the fact that they also hinted at maybe killing Loken? (laughs) Yeah. Should he bring that up potentially? Any time. By the way, another person they talked about murdering. I totally spaced on it until just now. (laughs) But saying Karksy reminded me of this meeting I went to. And I think what infuriated me the most about it is the way this is worded implies that he told Loken he split with the Lodge, but he did not tell him why. (laughs) He's just like, by the way, I'm not doing the Lodge thing. And Loken is so uncurious. Yeah, he's like, oh, cool, bro. Good. I don't like that lodge either. Anyway. No further questions. Again, from a writer's perspective, though, this feels like Ben Counter was like, oh, shit. Torgaden never told Loken about. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta get it in here somehow. (laughs) It's true. He does have to do cleanup. Yeah. 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 It's like, this is not my fault. (laughs) This is is before I got to these books. Here we are. But this is absurd. Yeah. And yeah, so now I feel extra bad about Carcassy getting murdered because it's like just a warning, like a tiny baby warning. Yeah, they learn these things and they're like, well, I guess there's literally nothing we can do to try to prevent this. Time to polish up the armor again. So get me the lapping powder. Um, and I think they do have 
you know, they're in an unenviable position of characters in a book where many of the events are a foregone conclusion because these are yeah. telling a story we already know sort of the gist Prequels, of. am I right? Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know that in these fights, you know what happens to Vader, you know, sort of thing. So Qui-Gon, you know, or no matter what Obi-Wan sees coming, he can't actually stop. Yeah. You know? So they're in sort like of that, that stop. That still could have been a better story. They also, yeah, in both of those cases, <laughs> I feel they could have done a better job maybe <laughs> of trying to stop it as opposed to mm-hmm. what's going on here. But it's hard to write prequel stuff. Um, and then we get to Karn and their buddy Karn just hanging out and looking at the museum, staring mm-hmm. at weapons. Um, as an aside, I want to bring up last time I mentioned how I thought it was very weird that Karn had a Russian accent. <laughs> When we were showing Karn and Joe, one of our fans, reached out to me and pointed out that there is a short story in which they talk about Karn being raised on Terra. So Karn is from Terra. He's not from Roman gladiator world that Mm -hmm. Angron comes from. So he could very well be Russian. Um, The person (laughs) who trained him had like a Germanic accent, but whatever. So he comes from Russia and he comes from that area ish. Mm -hmm. So I think it's still a little weird that he has a Russian accent, but hey, he's from a place that could well be Russian. Mm-hmm. Good for him. So my main my main concern is that he was not from Roman slave world planet. So good for him. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, for Joe. Getting me pointing that out. So so many short stories to look at. Um, and they have a little philosophical discussion about you know whether they should murder a ton of people. And Karn's just like, yeah, we murder people. You would you would slaughter an entire city full of people if you had to. So yeah, we just you, are cool about it. I like Karn. He's up front. He's like, the world eaters are no different. We're just more honest and open about it. And I agree. Uh, there's a an ongoing meme in the 40K universe that Karn is a swell guy. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yes. That is, as he is described as, as Karn is a, is a swell guy. That's the discussion of Karn. So <laughs> Got to get go. in those more hammer groups, I guess. Yeah. And then we get to the, again, some more foreshadowing. It's like, perhaps we'll see you on Istvan 3. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it's going to be a thing. So... But he's like, if there's anything left when the world eaters finish with it. And, you know. Yeah. The only thing I thought was dumb about Karn was that he also thinks the warp sorcery stuff is like hyperbole. Oh, and it's like, what? Yeah. How are you people not seeing this stuff? Yeah. You uh, wouldn't have to ban sorcery if it wasn't real. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All these things. Yeah. Because, again, they have psychic people. Yeah. And they had psychic people in their legions. And- so is. Karn kind of the Loken of his legion. Yeah, yeah, he's sort of the number two to Angron. Um, his job just probably sucked more because Angron's a lunatic. So, mm-hmm. and well, as we know, uh, Horus is a diplomat supreme as opposed to <laughs> Angron. <laughs> Angron has no supreme for sure. Just a dollop on top of his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need that fan art. I need that fan art real bad. People In the out black there. plate with the yes, red glow. With the red <laughs> Just a dollop of sour cream on his bald pate. So please somebody draw that. I want that more than anything. Um, I also spent, when I do my little cutesy chapter intros, I spent ages trying to come up with a in Soviet Istvan Karn something's you and I could not make any of them work but here we are so guys I, I love him dearly um, but yeah that wraps up chapter two oh, there's one more example of oh, Loken yes. being an idiot that I just wanted to share but that made me laugh but um Look, it's changing, said Loken, the galaxy and the crusade with it. Yes, said Karn with relish, it is. Loken was about to ask Karn what he meant when the doors to the looper calls course. 
Has he been here at all? (laughs) What do you you mean by that? Well, I don't think you get to need clarification when someone agrees with you. Yeah. Like, when I make a statement, it's uh, a... I want to try to work that in my real life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to be like, hey, Shannon, uh, looks like it's going to rain today. Yeah, it does. What do you mean by that? Do you want to get Chipotle for lunch? Oh, I'd love that. What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so off-putting if <laughs> you say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. World's best detective. Logan, Logan is, a, is a sweet, special boy. <laughs> and he's just having a hard time, okay? He's, he's working with what he's got. Um, he's probably been hit in the head a lot, so. But chapter three, Primarchs are surprisingly catty. Cinderman gets the crew together in action-packed briefing so <laughs> so yeah it starts off and again good old pem who i'm down with my my peter egon momus bringing him back that he redesigned his fancy room to be more suited to his position as the leader of the great crusade um so he, he gets a fancy new throne room there's fancy banners the banners are comically evil this is the one that there's <laughs> one with a throne of skulls set against a tower of brass rising from a blood red sea. Another with an eight pointed black star shining in a white sky. And yes, these are from the warrior lodges. Um, any Warhammer fans know those are big chaos references of hey, things. Okay. That was one of my big notes. And this was wondering if that was like another one of those things that was like a fun Easter egg or whatever for. Yes. You, you, know. you know that the throne of skulls is like one of the chaos gods like. Thing. And and what is the Justerian? And have we talked about that ever? I think again, this is another thing that they're like, oh right, this is a thing that exists in later stuff, and we should name we drop should do it. that. Yes, mm-hmm. the Justerian are it's his like first company. They're Terminators, mm-hmm. um, and before they had their Terminators, they were just Terminators. And then I think later they were like, we should make them a whole thing because they got three books in, and they're like, we can make a model of that. Like, if they're just Terminators, we already have Terminators. We've made those models before. We can't sell anybody Terminators. But if these are just Starin Terminators. New models. Incidentally, if you go to Forge World right now, you can buy a unit of just Starin Terminators. So can they, they get those at Tabletop? No, they can't. They're Forge World, unfortunately, oh. which is their fancier, higher end resin models that mm. they only sell direct. So, yeah, knock yourself out. Buy some just Starin. They're very fancy and very expensive. So. Okay. But going into this briefing, um, Loken and Torgaden get kind of, there's like a real, real rough moment where Abaddon and Little Horus <laughs> are in and there's a glare back and forth as they're looking at <laughs> Loken and Torgaden. And he realizes that like just now he seems to grasp that the Mornaval isn't a thing anymore. And it's like, <laughs> just now, like now that they look mean at you, it's been, again, I think months at this stage that he hasn't been able to interact with them. And Horace is like, your job is just to observe and remind our Legion brothers of the solidity of our cause. But can we at least acknowledge, for Peter Egon Momus' sake, that even if it has been months only, I mean, months, that's a lot for putting together an even oh. larger, grander new addition to this ship. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Yeah, great job, Peter. He's good at his job. I mean, you know, as we said, he may not be a great public speaker, as we well, saw. But again, that's why he's the. He we got to figure out who the other Fab Five, who the other Fab Five members yeah. are from yeah, the Warhammer universe. Peter Egon Momus is obviously the Bobby Burke, but who are the rest of them? Right. Who, I want to find out who the JVN is. Yeah. Of. Who designed this new armor that that's he has? Artan France. Artan France. Yeah, yeah. Right. we got to find these people. I love it. 
Um, and then we have all the Primarchs show up. So we get another description of Angron and how he's huge and broad and has cables sticking out of his head and twin chain axes and yeah, just being all crazy. Um, and that he has implants that made him a psychotic killer. And I like that he's like, Loken had heard that Angron had once been a slave before the Emperor had found him, and that his masters had forced the implants on him to turn him into a psychotic killer for their fighting pits. Looking at Angron, Loken could well believe it. It's like, I mean, because it's true. It's just what happens. It's not. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Yeah. What do you mean? Does um, he look ang- uh, angry? Angron-y. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like that they describe that Karn's there next to him, just his expression neutral, whereas Masters was thunder. And it just likes me like Karn more again. That he's like, well, here I am just with this <laughs> psychopath that I work for. Um, and then Angron's real grumpy about the fact that Horus is treating him like he's the boss. Do you, get, do you think they get to pick what Primarch they go to? Or is it like a like a wizard sorting hat situation? <laughs> so, ah, let's get into it. Yeah, we can talk. You... You'll regret this decision. I'm already regretting it. So each of the legions was made from one of the primarchs. So like they, uh, so like you know the emperor made twenty primarchs, and then the primarchs all got scattered, and then he's like, well, shit, and then he took something from each of those primarchs to make one of these legions. And so then when they found the primarch, that primarch got to be in the legion. So a lot of them, it was like Karn was born on Terra. He was put into this world eaters legion. Or though they were called the Warhounds back then. But uh and then when they found Angron, they're like, All right, here's your dad. He's in charge now. So wait. What? Wait a second. <laughs> this Hold is on. blowing my mind. So, so he lost a bunch of huge babies. Well that well, was yeah, the, that the was, we saw that in the last book. Then they shot out of the thing in their little okay. yeah. capsules. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> their little Which, baby again, their little I'm, baby carriers. But is that losing them? He was right there. Yeah, well, I mean, they got wrested away from him and shot out into space. Okay. I mean, but so he still had weird, like, is that where the gene seed yeah, thing comes yeah, from? Yeah, all of that comes from these primarchs. So he just made. had their gene seeds. He's yeah. like, well, this is all I have left of my, my, my sweet baby boys. Right. And so now I'm going to build armies. Babies making yeah. babies. And it, was a, and it was originally supposed to be, the idea was, it was supposed to be that he was going to make his armies for each primarch. And then it would be like, here's a primarch, here's your army go out into the galaxy and, and take it but over. So the legions came first and then they found their Primarchs? Well, so yeah, so them... then they he made the Primarchs, then he made the legions out of them. And initially they were just supposed to be together. But since he lost the Primarchs, he's like, well, I still have everything I need to make these legions. Mm-hmm. So he just sent them out to fight and led them. And then he's over the crusade, he's been finding each of these Primarchs on their various worlds that they crash this landed on. This is wild. That's They're crazy. like Dragon Balls. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then he just puts them back in. And Horus was the first Primarch that he found. So he's been. Okay. And so that's why, like, most of his people are from Chthonia, because they've been together for so long that now they've started recruiting from his world because that's his cool place. And there's going to be some Warhammer fan that's going to point out that that's not necessarily the case. And I know, and there's an asterisk next to it, but we're not going to get I into that. I personally want all your hate mail. It's I want a- all of your mail to come yes. correct, uh, right. Walter. So I, please email no, us. I've read that book too. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're all, they're all building in. So, and then now when they're recruiting people, they sort of, in some of the books, they talk about how they like analyze them for like what they would be most suitable for when they're originally making them. Mm-hmm. But so then, sorting hat, sorting yeah, hat a little situation. bit. They're like looking yeah. at people and they're like, "Oh, you seem world eatery, so you could do world eaters." But then also We're they like, fuck, you're hot. Yeah, get yourself over in that <laughs> hot boy. <laughs> 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 well, in most of them, they were recruiting from like specific areas. So like. 
the emperor's children were all from like european nobles of the time i guess and so they're all hoity-toity and whatnot but then again later on yeah but then later on they just come from whatever planet the primarch came from and they just start recruiting them all from that okay so can we talk about i don't know if anybody wants to read it the part that i feel like it really feels like a steamy romance novel okay i would love to read it i don't have a book copy in front of me oh we we can hook you up he felt the war master's penetrating eyes boring into him. He kept his gaze fixed firmly on the arches that led into the Lupercal's court as the doors beneath one of them slid open. <laughs> the tramp of feet sounded and the blood angel of death emerged from the shadows. Mm. I just felt like I slipped over Lupercal's like court. This but... like, kind of feels very like shy leading woman in a steamy romance where she can't look and the object of her affection, but she can feel his gaze. Yeah. If I look up uh, Eric Strangefellow on like the Harlequin Romance <laughs> audiobook site, am I going to yeah, find? That was really good. That was solid. Yeah. That's, I think you got a side put that on my yeah. vision board and try to make that a reality. I think we need to, though, uh, think about if we do make a kind of a, a musical, I think Loken needs to be kind of the heroine type. And no. and with uh, Horace being the Christian Grey ish <laughs> character, you know what? Like steel, like honey. Yes, oh, strange God. tastes. <laughs> he is that what they what do they say? I haven't read those books. None of us probably have, but he has. It's not strange tastes. Yeah. What is the phrase? I don't know. Oh my God! Somebody write some Christian Grey Horace. I just know they act like those books are so spicy. And they're like a middle aged like, <laughs> person who's never done I anything spicy. I can't judge. What? <laughs> oh, he spanked her. Yes. Well, we'll have to ask when Dan Abnett's listening. We know he's at least gotten into him because of his fetish switch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> top knot comment. Um, but so anyway, so we're getting the the Primarchs coming in. Angron storms in. Um, Eidolon shows up. Um, to be all. And then, like, gets slapped down by Angron, and that's very satisfying. When he's like, you know, Lord Angron, so nice to see you. And Angron's like, I don't talk to normal people. <laughs> so, I know. don't do normies. Yeah, that's how it is. He's like, but I got a promotion. Yeah, I'm the <laughs> coolest guy here. And then we get more Tarion, and this is another on the oh, nose. Oh, I know. I wrote that. I said, who would have thought someone named Mortarion would be the primarch of something called the Death Guard? Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Shocking um, choice. Do you guys want to see? They had a picture of Mortarion oh, yeah. in oh, yeah. the Kindle version. Nice. I assume we can go to Instagram for that. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. We can do that. Oh, yeah. It's Bane. He's, he's got a yeah. sight. It's Bane with a sight. <laughs> and see, he's, got a sight. he's got the steampunk tubes with the steam coming out whenever he is it, or is it oh. steam or smoke that comes out when he talks? They say steam, but yes, her. That a heavy collar that his spurts of gray steam as he breathed. <laughs> spurts. Um. So. Is he like the Darth Vader of Warhammers? He came from a planet that had a poison atmosphere. Of course he did. And so he like he likes that. Oh, he has so to he, breathe he in poison. He doesn't have to, but he that's he's he he's digs insane. it. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's there. I was born into this. <laughs> you merely adopted the gene seed. <laughs> Okay. Um, and yeah, of course he uses the scythe because 
Yes. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. just thinking. I was just thinking. Um, and look at that completely unadorned armor covered in skulls <laughs> <laughs> and chains and shit. Yeah. No adornments on that guy. Yeah. And and then Loken recognizes. I just want I want to have this picture up while we talk about this, because then Loken recognizes his boy Nathaniel Garo right next to. <laughs> <laughs> For those, if you have not looked at the Instagram picture, it is two identical space helmets <laughs> with helmets on in armor. Basically stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but somehow Loken recognizes like, one that of guy these is two Garo. guys. That's my boy. He probably right waved at him. <laughs> He's like, oh, that was me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So when I looked at this, I was like, wait, which one's Nathaniel? <laughs> one of What if those. it wasn't him? Yes. <laughs> 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 He's just, yeah, he gets them confused. They all look alike. Yeah. Yeah. It's Loken is like waving like a puppy yeah. to this one guy. And because they talk about that, he gives him a perfunctory nod. And it's him just being like, I need this guy to shut up. I don't know yeah. what the hell this yeah. is. <laughs> He's like, if I nod at him, maybe he'll stop waving at me like a loon. Horses bros are fucking weird. <laughs> this yeah. is strange. Um, so, yeah, so they all show up. And then uh, fortunately, we get to leave the briefing. Um, that's not as exciting to see Jonah. Our yeah. guy from everyone's favorite Titan again, the Deus Ah, and he drinking out of his hip flask and talking about how sexy his robot is. <laughs> sexy, sexy robot. He loves. Well, old girl, he said, you've certainly seen some action, but I still love uh, you. Slut shaming. Slut shaming is Yeah, I'm glad Sarah caught on to yes. that, too. Mm-hmm. And yes, he, he pats the thick plates of her leg armor affectionately, and I think that should be with two Cs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, so. I can't get enough of Jonah's love, lust for a giant murder robot. Uh, but I had something to see that when he said, you've certainly seen some action. And he talks about how much, he, you know, he loves this robot who's been there for him, basically, in all of these, like, war situations. And I just want to point out, as the main characters of the 1994 movie Speed would tell you, <laughs> relationships based on intense experiences yeah. never work. <laughs> We'll base it on the sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And that's what he does. That is, that's, hey, it's working out. So. It feels it feels like he's he's had sex with this guy. Oh, yes. So I don't know how. Absolutely. It's so, oh. I don't understand how it works, but There's he There's a definitely special port somewhere. Torture <laughs> work. No uh-huh. question. <laughs> so um, but yeah, so he's just drinking and uh, stinking sex lots about his robot. Are you going to say what it's called? Please. <laughs> say it's called the USBP. <laughs> I knew I didn't want us to talk over that. <laughs> you are on fire today. <laughs> it is down. Um, uh, but yeah, so anyway, talking, doing the thing, and he's he's also wrestling with his faith because he's apparently been going to prayer meetings with Titus. Um, but he's not so sure. He doesn't want to get in trouble. He doesn't want, he knows he'll get demoted if it turns out, which I like that he's worried that if he gets caught doing this thing, he's going to get demoted. But earlier in the scene, we saw if you go to prayer meetings, sometimes space Marines shoot you in the face. I said the same thing. I said the same thing. Well, it actually mirrors something. I don't know if we mentioned earlier, but when Cinderman was there, he's like, oh, I'm worried I might not be able to be an iterator. Yeah. Yeah, and they, I'm like, 
really, that's your concern. <laughs> yeah. You literally know that Carcassy and Petronella were killed at this point, mm-hmm. and yet you're like, mm, my job. Yeah, the stakes yeah. for being in this cult seem wildly different from page to page <laughs> on what's happening. It's like, maybe the murder should be your biggest concern. Um, but then Titus shows up, and he's like, hey, we gotta we gotta go. The saint's in danger. Let's let's move. We're 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 doing this thing. Um then we get to see Maggard and we get to hear a little from Maggard's perspective and how excited he is that he's been turning into a hulking monster. Um and they've been putting new organs in him. And every time because they say that he his new organs within him reshaping as flesh and bone into something greater than he could ever have imagined. And I imagine to get get another timely reference, did you all ever watch Invader Zim? Uh-huh. Um there was a wonderful episode of Invader Zim where, you know, he's an alien that's trying to fit in with humans and he realizes that humans, if he he's going to go to the nurse and the nurse is going to realize he doesn't have human organs. So then he's like, he's just going to steal a bunch of organs from all the other kids <laughs> and then just pile in. And by the end, he's just this sack filled with organs <laughs> under the assumption that more organs equals more human. Um, and then it totally works because the nurse is like, oh, such plentiful organs. Um, but so now I would just see Maggard as that. And that he's just like overflowing with organs, <laughs> like he's just packed full mm-hmm. of just plentiful human organs. <laughs> you know, I really thought Maggard was cool in the last book. I felt bad for him, for his station in life. I was rooting for him. Mm-hmm. I was rooting for you. Yeah. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, he's actually a piece of shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turns out, yeah. Not that that makes uh, Petronella's sexual abuse of him okay. It does not, but... It may have even cost it. Yeah, well... I guess because I was reading it kind of like... Has anyone seen the movie Midsommar? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, we just watched but, it recently. Yeah, I really love that movie. But any any cult-like thing, which definitely Horace and his yeah. little... Wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> by that? <laughs> um, but yeah, like... Targeting somebody who's been used abused. and abused his yes. whole life. And he says, like, I'm forever in the War Master's debt, I mm. think he says in there. So, yeah, his thoughts are really scary. He's clearly like, I'm willing to, like, kill anyone and yeah. do anything. But I also can see why he would be willing to Not do it. Not just willing to do it, though, enjoys it. It is yeah. an art to him. And yeah. that's where I was kind of like, oh... He's like reveling in the details of killing Carcassi, mm-hmm. who obviously is a helpless person mm-hmm. physically. Yeah. And that's where I kind of. Yeah. Well, there's there's a weird like I kind of want to get more into his At backstory. Least she seemed upset in Midsummer. Yeah, <laughs> she does. Yeah. Well, and then she's not. It's it's like a switch flip somewhere in there. At the end. Now it's OK. Yeah. But I like because they talk about he killed hundreds of people at the behest of House mm-hmm. Carpinus. Car- Carpenus? Carpenus. I don't know. Carpenus. It's Carpenus now. Carpenus it is. And many more than that before he had been captured by them. So it's like, what was he doing? Maybe he's just a bad person. Yeah, he might, I think he's just a psychopath. Well, that's right. Yeah. 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 That could be. I think yeah. that that's why they use him for the purpose that they did. Yeah. I think yeah. he was always that way. And that's why I'm giving less credence to the idea that it was because of his abuse. But I do like that he... You know, he's talking about how great it was that he murdered Carcassy, and then he finds out that, uh, you know, they killed Petronella, and it's like, maybe Horace did it for me, maybe he just did it because he needed her dead, but either way, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I can't I blame him for that, yeah, for sure. Is he realizing, though, what I think is true, is he could have probably killed her any time, and nobody gives two shits. Mm-hmm. 
Nobody seems to give any shits that she's gone missing. She was the worst. Yeah. Her <laughs> family is like, phew. Yeah, everyone's like, it's like she hasn't come home yet. Yeah, we're not. It's fine. Um, no one's too worried about it. But anyway, he's stalking around. He's ready to get some murder done and he's ready to go kill a saint. So um, I also like they point out that he's having to wear robes now because he's bulked out of his armor and he, they're like they're working on rebuilding his armor for when his body settles into its new shape. So he's just like, imagine just pulsating all the he's time. He's just a growing boy. Yeah, <laughs> having that growth spurt. Um, I, I feel like I'm just seeing like giant lumps, like yeah. apple sized oh, lumps yeah. through his oh, skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now is, is Mercy ever going to see him and be like, I like the look of that guy. <laughs> so, I love plentiful organs. She needs to get a vibrator. Got, she's got some weird. She's got some weird. And you know, I don't want to, you know. Do yuck, they allow vibrators in the yummy, Warhammer universe? They do, but they're steam powered. <laughs> Actually, you get a vibrating servitor. Um, or that. start it like a lawnmower. Yeah. Or it's a chain vibrator. everything's got to be. Everyone knows what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> All around. No, the gesture. But then we get to Cinderman, and he finally gets to he gets his crew together of Cinderman, Titus, and uh, Jonah. Yes, the guy I don't like as much. My name is Jonah. <laughs> but that they're getting there, and you know, talking about that he knows that the 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 saints in danger, and that he knows because of a vision. And I like it's like a vision. Truly, you are one of the chosen of the emperor. And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not. <laughs> it's like not me. He's That's... literally witnessed the act of a saint. Right. He has gotten a vision from a god and had that god move his hand to write things without his knowledge. He. Yeah, like, I <laughs> don't know what he going needs. to take. <laughs> what is it going to take? I feel like I would be like him, though. I feel bad. He's like, I don't want to do any of this. Why? <laughs> no, I I sympathize with yeah. that. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's the most reluctant. I think yeah. he's deeply in denial. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, this Titus guy seems really on board. Can't you just send him visions? Like, <laughs> cut out the middleman here? Like, I don't need to do this. Yeah, but he's a better at convincing mm-hmm. people of things. Yes, he's yes. got that. He's got them skills. Yeah, the um, emperor does not give two shits about Titus Kassar. Yeah. Titus, obviously, charisma sadly a dumb stat for Titus. <laughs> he put I want to know what he put his points into because I yeah, have yet Titan, to see it. Titan operation. Okay. You know, like that's clearly his, uh, his thing. He's presumably good at it. So Proficiency. Yeah. Um, and then we get to uh, just a long briefing where there's a lot of cattiness between different Primarchs, which I find a little weird and a lot of. Poor an Eidolon trying to like hang out with the big boys and everyone being like, shut the fuck up, Eidolon. <laughs> it's like I, I imagine it's a, a I did appreciate that yeah, particular point. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm seeing it as a, a Steve Buscemi. Um, what's his oh. name from Big Lebowski? Good. You know, <laughs> yeah. shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> yeah. you know, for every I time. am the walrus. Yes. Every time people get mad at, uh, at him. Um, and I do like that. Even Torgodden and Loken later on talk about it. it's like, oh, didn't you want to see? Fucking Angron just murder him. That would be great. <laughs> I would have loved to watch that. And they point out, though, that it's weird that Abaddon seems to be more like, at, you know, cool bro head nod with Eidolon, even though he used to think he was a piece of shit. So, yeah, they're Ab- both similar pieces of shit. Yeah. yeah, they're they're in the same lodge now. They're in the same club. So they're mm-hmm. cool with each other. Um, so the distress signal that they get. Oh, I love this. Bit. This is going to be a great scene in a movie. But yeah. is it legitimate? Do we think this is a legitimate distress signal? Yes. Okay, it wasn't fabricated to get. Uh, no, later in the book you'll see it's 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 a it's a real thing. Okay, so. I had the same question. Yes. 
I was like, I, he's he's obviously trying to build up this. He's trying to muster this many forces right. for fighting against other space marines. I mean, that's it, right? Yes. I mean, that has to be. Yeah. Well, so, and you'll see kind of what the and later in the book, we're going to get to what the, the real plan is. But yeah. Oh, so is it one of those situations where there was a distress signal sent and they um, were so vague in what they put in the distress signal that they hilariously misinterpret? <laughs> no, I think okay. what we're seeing is I think it's just Horace taking advantage of the first opportunity uh, to land to do the thing he wants to do. OK, so and that's why it's because people are like. It's weird that you're sending four legions to do this. And it's like because he was waiting for a time to be like this. And it's like whatever came up, it was going to be like some imperial governor stubbed their toe. And it's like four legions. <laughs> well, let's go because that's okay. what I need. To, I just I'm waiting for a time for this to work. Why particularly four? I mean, I think those were the ones that he they're obviously all kind of on his. Hmm. He's he's tight with. So. And yet he hasn't done anything to get rid of Loken or Turgotten, even though I feel like he firmly like they're on his shit list yeah. well we're gonna see okay. these next few chapters yeah there wasn't that <laughs> much action in in this section of the no. book so no. i'm looking forward to seeing how he does with action i like that logan's call to action in this section is to reread a book that we've seen <laughs> him read before well we'll get to that too that i want to do but i want to talk about this the the distress call because it is an awesome oh, okay. bit of it i love I love I think we talked about we it. love a distress call. We talked about it before with the murder on mm -hmm, planet murder, yeah. the, the the degenerating calls. I also love the this is the scene from the Firefly movie yeah, from Serenity, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. where you're seeing the thing where you have the person like all scared and they're trying to like get the message out. And then something horrible happens off screen and they have to like shoot their gun and you hear horrible things and see swirling, scary, whatever. And mm -hmm. It's just uh, and then you get the, you know, shaky cam disjointed bits. It's. Mwah. Like it's, blaster fire yeah. as it goes dark. Yeah, and like a lot of, and you know, you'll see Foot like steps. just a couple camera flashes of like something horrible that you don't get to see really, but it's it's a great trope. Ah, love it. Love mm -hmm. it to death. It's been done a million times, and I love every time it's done. So mm -hmm. sounds good. It is. It's one of my favorite tropes. And yeah, so they're talking about that this planet's in rebellion. Um, they have some something called war singers, which seem to be something bad. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to fit into another... We're, we just need to make a list of things Eric will like that will come up once and then they will never you'll never see them again. But it'll be awesome this one time. I'm actually excited that you're excited about all the different ships and their different aesthetics, because those things we get to like the legions we get to see. Okay, so, great. Yeah, because they keep introducing again constantly. These guys are cool. So anyway, they're all dead now and moving on. Um we get there and then we go through and they have to explain why they're not just going to bombard them. And he kind of details the plan of, you know, the world eaters are going to attack over here and the Death Guard are going to assault over here. And the, the Sons of Horus are going to be in the, the cool guys that are going to attack this major sort of center of their religion and everything that they have going on. Um, blah, blah, blah. It's honestly a boring briefing, but it tells us sort of what everyone's about to be doing. Um, and again, Idling gets yelled at. And that's always satisfying. So, um, da, da, da. but go, it goes on forever. It's just page after page of like describing the defenses of this place that, I mean, I guess this is good, I guess, to tell us what's going on, but whatever. And then I like that Angron's like, why don't we just send everyone in a big mob and kill everybody? Like, <laughs> we're doing this really dumb. Like, we have a comically large amount of force. And Horace is like, listen, you. We're doing this right. 
And then Eidolon's trying to be like, Lord Angron, you speak out of turn. And he's like, shut the fuck up. Speak to me again without my consent and I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And I just like, I almost like the idea that he's doing that kind of calmly. (laughs) Like the next time you talk when I don't want you to, you die. And that's just going to be how it is. (laughs) Eventually Horace is even like, man, seriously, shut the fuck up. You need. Even though you're agreeing with me, I don't. (laughs) You have to understand that you are not Fulgrim. You're not your dad. So you don't get to do this sort of thing. Um, and yeah, then everyone goes off to go do their thing. And I like that Karn is speaking quietly to Angron as they're leaving. As he's like, dad, you gotta fucking chill out a little bit <laughs> when we go to these meetings. And he's like, it's my implant. Yeah. <laughs> and I Eidolon, was born into this. <laughs> and then Eidolon tries to swagger out to look cool when he feels all embarrassed because everyone got to see him get yelled at and. He'll be tripped on something. Yeah. And Loken thought he saw a gleam of amusement in Mortarion's eyes as he left with Garo and his Terminators, you know, through the smoke of his <laughs> weird uh, smoke poison vents uh, that he has going on. Um, but yeah, then they're going to have to get everyone ready. And we end with, as Shannon alluded to, a uh, what the guy with the sunglasses and he puts on when he says something. Court sure. heart. <laughs> No, and then it, are you talking about CSI? Yeah, it's like CSI Miami. It's a CSI Miami line because Torhan's like, some... "Yeah, what are you gonna do? I have some reading to catch up on." Yeah, <laughs> like, I presume that sort of thing, and that's that. He chooses to end the chapter that way, um, and that's uh, and you know I'm here for it. I'm I'm okay. Excellent. And it's again, it's that. That thing that they do, and it's done in books and shows and everything all the time, and it makes me mad every single time where <laughs> somebody ends with that line, and you know the next line has to be Torgotten being like, what does that mean? <laughs> what like, do you that mean by that? is when it's acceptable <laughs> yeah. to ask for further it's clarification. Like, that's an insane <laughs> sentence to tell me. <laughs> like when you're like, like, okay, but we're about to go to war. <laughs> I just said we got to get our guys ready to fight this major battle. Mm-hmm. And I need you to, yeah, to break that sentence down a little bit for me of what the fuck you're talking about. But fortunately, it cuts away, so you never have to see that kind of thing. Also, is this also the first time we see the muse? Horace illuminating someone is not just straight up murdering them because I assume he's not going to murder Angron, but he says he something about Angron must be illuminated. Yeah, about the error of his ways, so the proper conduct like, of this endeavor. It's, it's still used as like a it's threatening. Yeah, yeah. Look, communication is important, though. Can mm-hmm. you imagine if someone misinterpreted that and went and killed Angron <laughs> yeah. somehow? They went and got the Kinnebrak weapon or what? No, uh-huh. it wasn't Kinnebrak. It was Kinnebrak, oh, okay. yeah. The, the anathema. And the anathema, yeah. And then killed him, and he's like, what the fuck? And they're like, you said illuminate. <laughs> we only use that for that. murder. Well, that <laughs> it reminds me, Walter and I have been watching Foundation, which, by the way, uh, very yeah. 40k vibes, yeah. in my opinion. Very, very Warhammer in general yeah. vibes. Um, and now I really want Lee Pace actually to play every character in Warhammer. Um, yeah. If he was more British, I guess you know. But he can do. I'm sure he can do the accent. Yeah, but he he's playing. There's 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 so many layers to it that are very similar. You oh. got some cloning. Uh, yeah, there's a giant em- <laughs> galaxy spanning Imperium yeah. know, sort of thing. Empire. Yeah. Authoritarian rule. Mm-hmm. You've got cloning of important people, um, which means more leap pace. Right. You get, mm-hmm. yeah, which you I get love. Multiple leap paces. Yeah. Uh, but what, what we were noticing when we were watching you it is. You get sexy arms 
and, uh, and <laughs> he like yeah. Lee Pace, Lee Pace has it in his contract. You can't put arms on his yeah. costume. I want to say he's in this awesome sci-fi outfit that's all like blue and kind of armored and everything, and there's no sleeves. And I'm convinced <laughs> it had sleeves. And Lee Pace has been like, "Have you seen these guns? <laughs> no sleeves on these." And I I'm all for I, that it's decision. A good um, but one thing he does is sometimes as this kind of tyrannical ruler, he'll make a hand gesture. And I'm like, yeah, and it's always they... the same. He'll hold up his hand and uh-huh. like have two fingers up and then he'll kind of do this little rotating motion uh-huh. and that different things happen every time he does this. <laughs> and and I, we're like, how do they know? Yeah, because it's like one day because it's like one time he does it and then like a dude gets shot and like one time he does it and somebody gets like shocked or like dragged off or whatever. And it's like. How does he set these up? Like, you know, sometime he does that and then somebody gets shot and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I needed you to. This was I. You thought I did this. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I did a slightly different. If it's at 23 degrees, my fingers, <laughs> then it's bring the cake. Yeah. But if it's at 25 degrees, that's yeah. shoot him in the face. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. But I want the people making the foundation to make a Warhammer oh, show. They'd be so great. So many of those visuals would be so good. Oh, uh, ships. They're ships like popping in and out of like oh, space. Oh, yeah, such a good yeah. like warp translation kind of thing. Whatever. Anyway. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's what we're reading for this 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 section. Um, next time, we're going to read the remainder of section one, which is, I believe, chapters four through seven, um, all the way four through seven. Um, we'll get to there. And uh, yeah, I think we've, we get some we get some action, I think, finally, which is exciting. So. Yes. People are going to be. I thought you were going to see all the way through the book at first. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> so I'm have to move some stuff around in my old schedule. Yes. <laughs> my other uh, book clubs are going to suffer this week. The other, <laughs> the other thing that I want to see, um, you know, we've been talking about it, we've been hinting at it for this time. If anyone at home wants to, but also as us as a group, let's get some casting done. Fan casting. Like, okay, we, we'll come back. We have with enough some, characters now. Yeah, can we just make up whatever? We don't have to cast every character. No, 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 no. Just whatever, whatever ones inspire you. So okay. you know, if you if you just have a thought for Angron, let me know. Like now, all of a sudden, I obviously want Tom Hardy to play Mortarian, but that's only because we keep calling him Bane. <laughs> so, all right, but you're gonna have to remind that's... us in the Discord because I am gonna leave this recording and immediately forget yes. we were supposed yeah. to prep that. That is fair. <laughs> Um, so I don't know a ton of I don't know maybe I do I don't know any timely references yeah, but I'm just going to pick you, you pick whatever like you three can and say, I'm not going to even check you can say I want 1980s Rowdy Rowdy Piper yeah. in this role <laughs> we I'm going to go like I'm going to see who Sting is going to play and maybe David Lynch is a curveball I'm, I'm going to go you can we all cast know. people who are I'm not going to go Eric we all know we're, we're trying to figure out who you're casting David Bowie as. Yeah, not I was just whether say. David Bowie is being yeah, cast. Yeah. about that is I was just thinking David Bowie as Fulgrim mm. channeling his mm-hmm. like Didn't labyrinth, like, like yeah, Goblin King. Could. Yeah. yeah. You get a long white wig on that guy, yeah. And for my Lynch fans, I think I, I see we're doing it already. Maybe I should okay. save it. <laughs> save it. I, I, I save found, it who, I found it who David Lynch <laughs> is going to play, and I'm ready to do the impression. <laughs> Ooh, so yeah, oh. save that. That'll Are we ready to move on to plugs? Yes, let's talk about plugs. Who's got them? Eric. You know I do. Um, yeah. I'm going to pretend like this is already done, even though it's not yet. But it will be, presumably, by the time this comes out. <laughs> so from now on, I'm going to speak as if it is ex- available already. Just put a um, deadline on yourself. Yes. Um, I had a bunch of um, like covers of video game songs or remixes or whatever, including a Persona 5, I say, as I look at Walter, because oh, I know you're a big fan of that. I am an um, absurd fan of that. So I made like – I'm going to put them up on YouTube because – I can't monetize them and yeah. 
I did the EY theme. EY's theme. Oh, that's my favorite guy from Persona Five. There's so many good songs in Persona Five. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to plug. Check. Oh, sorry. I need to tell you where to find that. Um, yeah. Archer Arcana is my band and that's where those will be found. I don't know if it's like at Archer Arcana. I don't know how YouTube's all particular, but you can search it. Oh, that's yeah. even better. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> if you search it, I've got some other music videos up there, but you can dig through them or whatever. Great. Cool. Sarah. I don't I'll plug our social media again. Yeah. <laughs> Last time. Zero two four zero K pod yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, and send You've us some fan art so we can post uh, that too. Show yeah. me that Diplomat Supreme. <laughs> Diplomat with the doll of the sour cream. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. yeah. But go check out, even though Sarah might not have uh, any new stuff, go check out their old writing. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Maybe you didn't do it last time. Now it's time to do it. Maybe yeah. you did and you can do it again. Now's yeah. the time. <laughs> Shannon. You know I don't have any plugs. That's okay. You can plug whatever you want. Um, I'm just going to, as always, you know, Tabletop Game and Hobby, my favorite local gaming store because i'm biased because i'm one of the owners um also yeah let's throw i haven't actually listened to it so it's a heads up but out of place ben counters podcast Ooh, um, yeah. we liking, haven't listened to it but we're plugging it I'm gonna, this, is, this is really Might dangerous be yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get there and it's like oh you know what they say in episode four of that whatever um yeah. i'm confident i'm really liking why white supremacy is correct <laughs> it's like all the alternate Ooh. histories are like clearly like Awful things happening and being like, ah, yes, as they should have been. Yeah. Like, oh, Ben, no. Okay. Um, I've got another weird plug, kind of. Yeah. I'm, I'm shoehorning this into being a plug. Earlier when I was talking about the sci-fi channel's Dune, I wanted to mention that was the first thing I saw a very, very young James McAvoy in. Oh. I know. So, I love James McAvoy. And I've loved him ever since that. The he's always been Lado 2 to me, even though he's done much bigger <laughs> roles. Right. The first thing I saw him in was actually uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, which Same. I was like... I have weird feelings about fawns now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you watch the Sci-Fi Channel one, you can have weird feelings about boys putting little baby sandworms on their skin. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think intrinsically those feelings are weird no matter what. Um, but yeah, so that brings us to it. So um, in conclusion, uh, Henry... I know you're listening. Uh, just did the big balance update for Warhammer. Uh, we got this last week. Changed a bunch of point values and everything. Our poor custodes, huh? They uh, they got beat up a little bit. So let me know how you're changing your army now that they've completely changed how our, our points and rules work. And in the meantime, the rest of you will hear you next time on Zero to 40K. Walter knew Warhammer real well, so he seized every opportunity to tell anyone he could about the books, but no one ever gave them a second look. So he thought, hey, I'll start a podcast. And he gathered around him together at last. Three friends willing to jump into the fray and go from zero to 40. Zero to 40K was created by our war master, Walter Stewart. Production by Administrator Shannon Tierney. Music by Eric Strangefellow. Special thanks to Sarah Fecky. Check out everything we're up to at 0240k.com.